Hey folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, directed by Robert Altridge, Mommy Dearest by Frank Perry, Streets of Fire by Walter Hill, RRR, directed by S.S. Rajamuli, and finally newly released, Bodies, 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 directed by Helena Rain. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Daily, how we going, buddy? Hey, hey, how's it going, Tom? It's going okay for me. How was your wacky? I don't even know what this week was for you. Was it? How was it? Was it good? Was it fun? Yeah, this was good. Throw this me for a curveball here. I don't know how uh, any of these movies are. The SS uh, RR bodies, bodies, bodies. You're repeating yourself. But no, good week for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a good week. I think for me. The first two entries were a little bit of a scrapped actual special project, uh, which I still oh, cool. okay. was interested enough and hadn't seen the film. So I was like, all right, well, might as well. Let me just cover them on the podcast. Uh, and uh, some exciting new flicks. Uh, I, I was I was happy to maybe give some spotlight to these uh, to the two last films. And right, excited right. to talk about them because they're pretty they're pretty out there uh, and in uh, in a good way certainly. Okay, well let's get started right away. We're going back to 1962. the The movie is Whatever Happened to Baby jo- Jane. Uh, Robert Altridge, who is who's relatively famous, I would say, uh, well sure, known yeah. for back then. Yeah, just set this movie up a little bit. What are we even dealing with? I know it. Yeah, but like I, I know nothing. Right, right, yeah. and, and very similarly to to Mommy Dearest as well. It's it's kind of something that you, you you know, and then you know, it's just like, well, I don't think I've actually ever seen this. Exactly. So, yeah. This is uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. The idea, the 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 tie between the two is around uh, Joan Crawford because. Mommy Dearest covers kind of the the if you will the psychotic or the uh, the very the very neurotic personal life of Joan Crawford, uh, and we have a dip into a little bit of the production of some of her films in, in Mommy Dearest. Um, the idea of the special was maybe to have that spot like that connection a little bit. Like I said, it didn't work out, but I, I was still right. interested in watching these films, you know. And uh, Betty Davis obviously. 
or maybe not obviously, but it's, it's, it's she's an actress that uh, is is huge. I don't have a lot of experience with, so I was like, well, what better time to maybe you know give some love to some older films? Yeah, this I week. like that idea so. for sure. Betty Davis plays Baby Jane, uh, a spoiled child star. Think like a Shirley Temple, if you will, sure. or something like that. Uh, she is uh, spoiled that she is uh, beloved, but also as she right. gets older, her her public perception cools off. Okay, right. Uh, she, okay. Her sister is Joan Crawford, and in an inverse kind of trajectory for her career, uh, has a skyrocket when Betty Davis's character uh, uh, Jane uh, is is kind of cooling off in her career to kind of plummeting to have no work at all. This basically culminates in a very toxic, toxic relationship uh, between the two sisters. On Betty Davis's side, a toxic blend of uh, alcoholism, mental instability, and kind of overwhelming jealousy it really makes the rare role for uh, Davis being the villain. And I think more than anything, this was an exciting movie to see because it's like, I don't know. It's so old, and you get to see an interesting switch up of wow, this 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 actress is playing such a a dynamic villain, uh, and so much baked into the performance, uh, and how she pulls from this mental instability. It was really quite enjoyable to watch. I think if there's anything, I walk away in maybe making a recommendation for a much older film. Like, why would you go watch this out of the blue or something like that? Right. It's for that performance, uh, a striking performance for for Betty Davis and being this in this villain role, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Basically, the setup of a majority of the film is we basically get up to speed on this rivalry between the two sisters uh, in their acting career. But uh, a, a tragic accident has Joan Crawford's character basically be you know paralyzed from the hips down. Uh, she broke her spine, uh, and okay. she is now in a wheelchair uh, dependent on her crazy-ass sister. <laughs> so uh, it is... Uh, a kind of a tale of tormenting. Uh, it is, you know, the, her being paraplegic in the wheelchair. She is very much held captive uh, by her crazy sister, trying hmm. to gaslight her, trying to mess with her, and and seeing that escalate and escalate throughout the film. That's basically the whole the whole structure there. And what ages are we dealing with? Of the two uh, sisters, roughly, like if you had a guess. Mm, well, it follows through uh, out there since they're since they're kids, you know, because we we first check in with them as far as child stars. I think the the ages of these sisters are supposed to be like maybe early fifties, if okay, you will, right. or something like that. Okay. So, and obviously not quite the age of the actresses at the time, even in sixty two. Right. Uh, okay. When 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 this was made, so this setup though, uh, as far as the structure we have, to Joan being stuck in a wheelchair. Stuck in a house and kind of um, kind of trapped, kind of being tormented. It reminded me of a proto version of Misery, uh, almost down to the oh. exact for uh, you know layout of the house itself. Really, uh, a single stairwell. Uh, the the stairs being a obstacle for uh, you know Joan being in the wheelchair and trying to you know get access to the phone or, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's very. That's a kind of. I like that. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. It, it's definitely missing some of the refinement of what makes Misery an '82 for me. You know, I mean that that yeah. is a big movie uh, and 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 a great movie to watch. But when it comes to this film, I mean, I was really shocked how much it really was a template or a proto version of that story. Uh, maybe it just boils down to her being in that wheelchair the whole time uh, and being immobile and in this kind of in this torturous, you know, psychological drama. Yeah, 
it, it was it was a good time. Uh, it was uh, uh, interesting how much both of those films depended on just flirting with getting caught the entire time. Hmm. You know, that's basically hmm. the whole film as far as the conflict there. I, I think it, if I have to kind of shift the review of why this film would be still worth your time side by side with Misery, I would say, again, I circle back to Betty Davis's performance. It was really it's... kinetic seeing her be a villain on screen. Um, yeah, I like that. Was it almost like, I don't know, what was it uncomfortable at times basically sitting there watching? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. Betty Davis is one of those actresses that I, I see as glitz and glamour and, and, and very refined and whatnot. Yeah, that golden and, age of Hollywood. And, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and seeing her get so kind of you know nasty uh yeah. through through alcoholism through mental instability we see her uh degrade mentally throughout the film and uh, go through a gambit of emotions she's sometimes pulling very childish uh she pulls very ang- uh, you know uh, you know flashes of anger flashes of being irrational plotting uh it's mm-hmm. it's a whole gambit of 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 this uh you know this cocktail this this kind of chemical instability <laughs> in, in that's her, nice in her so that's it's disturbing and it probably should be a little disturbing to watch like that's yeah. a good thing <laughs> yeah absolutely it's yeah. quite the experience for like a 62 movie watching like this this heavy hitter actress for sure for sure i think this for me is in the ripple effect of like a hitchcock you know Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 these type of these type of films are being taken, and, and certainly I think actresses and actors at the time are more interested in that as a kind of thriller, you know, as a genre is really mm-hmm, taking sure. hold and taking taking shape. So by sixty two, that was well said and done. But I still think Davis does a phenomenal job at not just being crazy. It's not just her being hammy or or, or campy in her her performance. You can see she's pulling from different parts of her emotional psyche, the character's emotional psyche. Right. Uh, why she would be unstable in this way uh, throughout the film. And I think that is really tuning into my reason of why this would be worth your time side by side. You're sitting on streaming and you see misery and you see this film. Why would you give this, you know, the time of day beyond, you know, maybe just having the time for to watch both films uh, and being in the mood for that? I would say Betty Davis's performance specifically. She gets the Oscar nomination here. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, you know, again, highlighting, I think it goes beyond just acting crazy. This is... Uh, yeah, this is proper character development here. That yeah. She's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's interesting how much she is, you know, acting at this level, especially how much it is just her and Joan Crawford on screen kind of going back and forth and bickering as sisters. It's very interesting that y- you see what type of sentences and what type of uh, comebacks trigger the different emotions out of her, whether she's she comes at, uh, at it as from a childish perspective from a extreme sadness, from mm-hmm. an extreme anger, you know, I mean, the al- how the alcoholism plays into that and and kind of magnifying those those feelings. Uh, I thought it was a, a very dynamic performance, and even though maybe the the structure of getting out of the house and the, how it's like misery is a little dated, <laughs> there's a moment where Joan throws a note out the window to someone that's on the street, yeah. but she doesn't just yell out and say, help me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in misery, you know, they're in, the, they're in the middle of nowhere. So the script and the premise has evolved, you know, as an idea to be sharper. You know, it's a sharper concept or a sharper premise. Right. Uh, it's funny that you were drawn. You were drawn to this comparison so much, though. Oh yeah, and and again, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's the wheelchair. It's the uh, flirting with getting caught the entire film. 
it is the layout of the house. It's one stairwell on the right side of the frame. That's and, awesome. And and how much how many scenes are just challenged around that stairs? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it was really interesting. I, I guess on the shoulders of giants, me thinking that Misery is the better film. Was Misery well, was Misery a Stephen King? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I know I'm pretty Rob sure it Reiner was. directed it, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a King novel. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard to maybe give credit to the originator in these type of scenarios, but I, I definitely was enjoying it just as much. Yeah, you know, in that kind of sense. So, uh, I think there's some frustrating aspects to maybe its lack of focus on, uh, you know, kind of common sense around the thriller <laughs> and, and her getting out of the scenario. But it's also a little bit different of a film in the sense that it is about the sisters' relationship. And spotlighting a great performance from Betty Davis that, like, very simply, I mean, she is just packing so much into the mental instability of she this crushed character. It. Yeah, she crushed it. I'd be interested to see who won in 62 Best That's Actress. a good point. Maybe that would be a good watch, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, who, who beat out, so. Uh, but despite uh, the duo of movies, you know, starting with Crawford as the focus, I think Davis is the one uh, that I would recommend this movie for and especially gets a a fairly positive rating for me uh, in the landscape of I could very easily point to another movie that does the concept better, but still very much worth your time, uh, especially if you're looking for an older film mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and Betty Davis as a, a phenomenal entry and a you know a good dive into her her wonderful acting career. We're gonna go ahead and give whatever happened to Baby Jane a sixty six. Okay, 66. I'm a little shocked that it's not in the 70s. It, I mean, yeah. it, was it just a little bit too basic, failing in a couple areas? I, I guess I guess it really goes into how maybe frustrated I was with the with the early thriller aspects. Again, okay. a perfect example is that she has the window open, there's the neighbor outside and she Well, th- she afraid to yell out because Betty Dave, she doesn't want to know Betty Yeah, but the whole reason okay, why she's yeah, doing I mean, this is yeah, she's yeah. gone from the house. It's okay. just <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe there's a there's a slow burn to the buildup uh, of this film. But yeah, I, I think it didn't have as so, much punch uh, in, right. in modern day. Kind of know? like it's it's a relatively good movie, but what really makes it is mm-hmm. Betty Davis. Exactly. And Betty Davis is what actually carries it to a 66. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But not in the 70s. All right. So that's whatever happened to Baby, to Baby Jane, uh, 1966. And Bancroft, by the way, one for the Miracle Worker. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> all the reason to dive in more to some of the older films yeah 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 exactly but okay so this is this is now 1981 so it's 19 years later this is mommy dearest by frank perry mm-hmm. and again just why again did you pair this with whatever happened to baby jane sure so mommy dearest is um the book that joan crawford as the, the real life actress her adopted daughter wrote after she died, okay. um, after Joan dro- died, uh, and depicts the real life uh, horror uh, that Joan was in 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 a household as as the mother, uh, raising her children very strictly to the point of kind of psychological. This is Joan abuse. growing up by her. No, this parents? is Christina Crawford jo- growing, growing up, up with under Joan. the household of Joan. Okay, exactly. Joan is the mother. Gotcha. Joan is is mommy dearest. <laughs> uh, and again. And the connection here originally was uh, maybe a special idea of 
films uh, about individual uh, about actors or actresses uh, that have kind of fallen from grace in some kind sort of, of cool way. idea. Yeah, yeah, it didn't really pan out. Uh, <laughs> maybe because you know I, I really wasn't in love, like in, in really in love with either of these films. Right. So, ironically, Joan Crawford was the protagonist of the last movie, uh, and while in real life she was a living nightmare to those around her, <laughs> uh, you know she was the uh, she was definitely the antagonist of her life. When it comes to, you know, this being a biographical account, in researching this, there was a lot of switch up to people maybe throwing some flack at the credibility of Christina Crawford and uh, were these accounts right. really Was it true? that bad? Yeah, exactly. You get a lot of that with Bing Crosby often too. Sure, sure. It, for, for me, it was, it was interesting kind of unpacking it. Uh, for what it's worth, this film is not a great shining example of this being good content or even accurate content mm. because this film is absolutely flogged by critics uh, upon release. They, it's won a lot of Razzies. Yeah, yeah. They've, they they hated uh, Faye Dunaway's performance. Okay. Uh, they think it's a very boring film. I'm on the side of one of those, uh, but uh, not all of those. I mean, I think I think the, the the huge amount of flack this film got, I mean, in some areas it's being called, I think actually probably by the Razzies or, or something, you know, kind of, you know, uh, I really don't like uh, spotlighting an organization like that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were calling it like the like the worst film of the decade or something like that. I think that's very dramatic for 1980s, it, you know what yes. I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, it was winner of worst picture of the decade. That's insane. By for, the Razzies. But it, the, of all the of shitty all films fil- in yes. the 80s, you know. <laughs> the Razzies gave it this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which so. is kind of hilarious. But um, the story is, is slim here. Uh, Joan is aging in his in her career. And uh, once again, kind of an interesting reflection of a little bit of what we covered in, in Baby Jane. And, and just feeling immense pressure from her, you know, usual warm public uh, perception mm. uh, turning cold. It brings out radical outbursts from her uh, and lashing out in extreme ways. This film gets a lot of fac- flack for Faye Dunaway's performance here as Joan. Critical reception tore this one apart. Uh, and some even thinking it caused the downturn of, of, of Dunaway's career after, you know, like three Oscar nominations, uh, Chinatown, Network, mm, uh, yeah. Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, Dunaway was a, was a huge star. And this being in 81, I think, I don't know if that exactly lines up with the mapping of, of her downfall in the career. Uh, or her own career, but I still think uh, it, it is. Uh, it's important to point to because the truth of the matter is, she doesn't really get a lot of uh, high end films, high end offers after this. Uh, there is a significant downturn. No, and if she's still working. It, yeah, she's, she's still, still working. working every year, but not in anything. Yeah, now. exactly. It's it is. There is a, a quality to it uh, that has has downturned, which is a shame. Deserving um, though. Uh, <laughs> I like campy villains. I like, uh, uh, you know. You kind of liked it? There is an entertaining aspect to her freaking out (laughs) all over this film. Does it make sense where she freaks out? No. Does it have any of what I praised the last film of Betty Davis's performance? uh, That it was layered and pulling from multiple areas of the psyche of the character? No. There's there's nothing of that there. It's really just (laughs) her acting like a total basket case and, and like off her handle, you know, but there is also some enjoyment in that in the sense that like an Al Pacino freak out is just enjoyable right. you know, to watch on screen. So it really, it, it's not a case of like, 
it's not coming across if it's just like, wow, Joan really was a crazy person. It's like, oh, Faye is really overacting here. Yes, okay. and, and, and that's where I, I tie together that this film doesn't do the perspective that there are some doubters to Christina Crawford's accounts of her mother. Right, right. Uh, there are some doubters to the validity of that book that was released and that this is based off of in just the same way. Um, unfortunately, Dunaway's performance does not add to that. If anything, it kind of highlights it more that mm-hmm. this simply cannot be how this was. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, not right. this drastic, not this, you know, un, un, you know, out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> mood swings. It is, it's nuts. Uh, and I think critically... Where uh, if I had to give some flack to it, it does. They do come out of nowhere. A perfect example of this is uh, Crawford wins her Oscar within Mommy Dearest. You know, it, it, her Joan Crawford's Oscar win. It is shown in Mommy Dearest uh, at home. Oh, okay. And the same night she wins the Oscar. She goes on uh, probably her top uh, her her top three tirades in the whole film over wire hangers uh, in the closet, and she's <laughs> thrown out the entire closet, and she's she's beating the kids, and and, and she's she's just having this whole breakdown. And I mean, it, it it's is a little unbelievable. <laughs> To say the least. I think it more so, it just doesn't track logically. Like, does why does winning the Oscar equal a freak out? Okay. You know? I mean? <laughs> right, right. It's like, all right. I mean, maybe let's let's bake uh let's bake some lead into the script a little bit better. That I, I guess if, if if the biographical take on this is that she really freaked out her the night she won the Oscar, I right. guess you can't get around that. <laughs> but from a script perspective, it felt out of nowhere and added to like the the campiness right of, this, of course you know what i mean a it's just a mess, like, yeah 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 she turns into this mustache twirling villain out of nowhere <laughs> uh, and, and is insane so acting really necessarily isn't my issue with the film i like i said i can't stress enough it is entertaining um it's it, it's 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 it there there is a cathartic factor just just seeing her lose her lid each time and there's some really iconic moments uh especially towards the end of the film some of the lines that she says it's just like wow this is great there's just a lack of uh thread that strings these freakouts together and i think my real issue with this film is that the plot has no objective again this is supposed to be biographical in nature but it's 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 made as this like psychological drama uh, the whole time we're obviously following Christina Crawford as our main character and mm-hmm. growing up to the point of young adulthood, it's just like after a while we're just kind of stopping in and checking in when she's visiting her mother and her mother gets to be crazy a little bit and then there's another big jump in time. I would say the, the almost the entire second half of this film is so disjointed. The pacing is just like... Wow, like why why are we even bothering almost <laughs> like okay, so- we go from her being in boarding school to her being in college to her being a working actor Christina yeah. Crawford. But we're not getting much there. It's meandering. Yeah. And boring. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah. really circling the drain on, you know, her she visits her mother and her mother loses her shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then and then a couple of years later she visits her mother again and guess what her mother loses her shit. <laughs> you know. Uh there there's just not a lot there. Yeah. Uh as far as the pacing um uh for kind of the second week in the row I'm really dancing around the term boring. But there is a boring aspect to it in the sense that this just does not have engagement. There's no objective to the film that we're like, okay, at least we're going here. Yeah, I know whole, where this is ending. Literally, up. the only point is to say that 
Joan was a bad mother and a crazy yeah. person, and that's it. Exactly. And that just does that's that, that can't fill two hours and nine minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this film would would benefit wonderfully from starting uh, the 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 whole story off at the end of Joan's life. Or while Christina is writing this book, uh, and, mm, sure. and, and maybe showing some emotional distress, and then that way the entire film we're at least piecing together. Okay, what led to these events? I think that would do wonders. Something so simple as that to create engagement in this. Instead, we're just kind of just for the almost the entire second half, just kind of meandering and just saying, "All right, well, when when's the next time we're going to see a freak out?" I mean, I think that's a great point, and it probably would make it much 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 better mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because and then it would, it, it, it would make sense that you're moving a little bit of quick and you're hitting mm-hmm. these highlights these life highlights kind of exactly but the whole point is because eventually you're going to go into that yeah scene where you're back with her at actual current <laughs> age or writing right. the book i think that's a phenomenal idea yeah but. yeah Okay, so you know, so the critics where you said I agree with one of those, but not the other, is really the, didn't care. You didn't mind her acting, but it was so bad that it was campy, and that's why it was enjoyable. Yes, <laughs> but boring. They got it right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's, uh, I don't know, uh, a guilty pleasureness, if you will, this film because I enjoyed Dunaway, <laughs> uh, and I think she. I mean, she's she's absolutely you know insane in this, but I don't think those were the bad qualities. The bad qualities was that that it was. The the the, the blowups, the freakouts were missing the 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 backing track to it, the lead up, uh, the build right, to it, right. uh, and instead they really come out of nowhere. And yes, they may be enjoying in their shock value, uh, but they don't have any tie, and they certainly don't have any sort of payoff uh, significant. Uh, so much so by you know really towards the end of the film, I'm wondering why uh, Christina even felt so compelled to write this book. You know, there's almost a confusion in the message of her own hit piece, if you will, mm-hmm. if you even want to see it as a hit piece or right. anything like that towards her mother so or adopted mother. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a hard one uh, because uh, I would say, <laughs> I mean, I almost, besides my own study of this and trying to, sl- you know, trying to piece a special together, I think uh, there's really not re- much reason to revisit this you know this random film from 1981 but uh if you're curious about the secret side of a golden age actress uh, i would say maybe this is giving you can give it a watch or or maybe if if you're even you know interested a little bit in Faye Dunaway and and some other performances and the downturn of her career you know someone that was you know really really well well reviewed and and in some great productions uh, and then kind of you know, still worked, but nowhere at that caliber. Once again, this could be some morbid curiosity there, but otherwise, uh, I don't think it's something that you need to circle back with to uh, past critics' delight. We're going to go ahead and give Mommy Dearest a 47. All right, 47. <laughs> I, I, it's, I mean, it almost sounds like that might be a pretty pretty favorable score yes. with the way that the critics and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, people are saying this is the worst film of the decade and in the 80s. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's, that, that's the that's most pretty, insane thing I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah. Especially in that decade, yeah, like yeah. it's that's ridiculous. Yeah, so okay, uh, all right, very good, Vin. So we'll keep it rolling here. Uh, that was just eighty-one. Now we're three years ahead of time. This is nineteen eighty-four, Vin. This is Streets of Fire. Again, surprised me with this one. Why yeah. was this one on your radar? And uh, what is what is the movie exactly? So yeah, this is the second time around with Walter Hill. Uh, we covered The Warriors, uh, which was oh yes, yeah, yes. this like rock and roll beat 'em up uh, in New York. You enjoyed it? Yeah, seventy-seven. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, is that a little high? 
It was in the 70s, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was definitely in the 70s. I think yeah. it was low 70s. Okay, okay. Uh, but um, uh, I really enjoyed the film. Just a great, simple premise. And uh, I would say my my most important note is that it's such a distinct feel to the cityscape. Um, Walter Hill really crafted such a unique feel to the city that it was employed there. So it's been five years since uh, that film. A few more films under his belt. And now with Streets of Fire, instead of just having a very prevalent rock and roll soundtrack to it, uh, this is actually billed as a rock-themed odyssey or a rock fable, uh, as this says. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the premise. Um, It definitely is. It's very 80s. (laughs) I mean, right off the (laughs) back, uh, it is... uh, very the the soundtrack is kind of a mix between blues and uh, meatloaf and kind of kind of rock opera type of things to it. It is distinctly not a musical though. I was going into this thinking that it was going to be a musical, uh, and that is not the case. Um, and just and, because that was your notion of it, well, it was kind of like a rock and roll fable. I was maybe expecting like a Blues Brothers or even Rocker. like a Rocky Horror, yeah, right. you know. Uh, something like that. Uh, one of my biggest praises of the Warriors is that they have a radio DJ uh, speaking about the progress of the Warriors trying to get out of the city mm, the entire time. Okay. And, and it uh, moves. And, yeah, yeah, it's so good. Oh, man, I, I really do love the Warriors. This was, in the beginning, was really coming out of the gate strong. I, I was saying first hour, I was like, wow, this might beat the Warriors as far as concept. Unfortunately, it just kind of it kind of fizzles out. Okay. <laughs> it kind of just doesn't it, know what to do in the second half. Okay. Well, uh, I was going to say, well, it's snappy. So yes. it's like an hour and 33. So where does it go wrong or how quickly does it get? <laughs> I would say right at that hour mark, it's like the, everyone gets what they want and the film goes on for another 30 minutes. It's almost like they wrote a really solid TV episode. <laughs> If you will, we've seen rock. this before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I'll get into a little bit of the the story itself, but I, I just want to note some of the positive aspects of, of, of what brought me into this film. Uh, like I said, I mean, the strongest aspect of the Warriors, I think, was the cityscape and and how that setting was used so strategically of just getting the hell out of a scary city at night. Uh, And uh, it's not quite as tight as a premise uh, with Streets of Fire, but the setting is now a fantasy city, uh, a dystopian cityscape, if you will, a rock and roll-themed city. (laughs) It just sounds... It sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's pretty interesting, Um, but but distinctly not a real city. I always describe these settings as kind of a Sin City, like not that Sin City was the originator, but for me growing up, that was that was the first kind of dive uh, into you know something uh, the city being a setting, but also taking on theming of its own and almost a character of its own. Yeah, some type of dystopian. Yeah, not quite like not quite. It's not cyberpunk. It's not. It's not apocalypse. Yeah, quite. yeah, it's not right. Po- Society is still operating, but it's just yeah. a whole different dystopian type thing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the set design, though, is great. Uh, we go from very realistic, you know, New York set pieces in Warriors to definitely a, a set design that I want to give a lot of credit to, uh, uh, a lot of love to the design in in, in general. Uh, apparently, uh, Armani does all the costumes in this one. Oh, my one, God, that's awesome. Which is, yeah, I mean, great. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, cool collaboration in 84, uh, certainly. Uh, you know, we just get a few city blocks of this world, but the immense amount of world building that he that that Walter Hill is able to do with these few city blocks is definitely where I come in with 
a rating that probably is a little higher than it should be uh, for this film because I think as a whole, you'll walk away from this film not really in love with it, uh, but those first couple moments and what brings you in are just so electric that I still want to give it somewhat of a positive. Let's okay. talk about some of the story, though. So, The story is simple. It's almost very Western-ish. A rock musician, uh, Ellen Aim, uh, played by Diane Lane, uh, gets kidnapped by a biker gang led by our boy. This is both of our boys, Willem Dafoe. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, Willem Dafoe is a really early performance in here. Perfect. Yep, yep. Her manager, uh, uh, played by uh, Rick Moranis uh, as well. I mean, I think this is one of Rick Moranis' first films, period, Uh, (laughs) which is awesome. Uh, Her manager uh, enlists a hired gun to kind of track down the bad guys and get her back. I I would say uh, the music is doing a lot of heavy lifting here in the enjoyment of this film. Mm. There is a mix between kind of echoey blues guitar and, and again... Like I said, uh, some of these rock opera meatloaf uh, type of uh, vibes to it. Uh, I mean, I like that it's 84 and you're not getting like... <laughs> like you're not getting yeah. just ridiculous 80s guitar in there. Sure, right? sure. Or, or, you know, cheap synthesizers. Electric drums. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ry Cooter, uh, who is a musician oh. and composer, does this. Yeah. Uh, okay, respect. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, old blues head. Uh, you actually might know Ry, Coot- Ry Cooter more than me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, the songs themselves, uh, I, I was enjoying them. Uh, I don't want to give an over amount of credit for it. Uh, these kind of rock opera songs kind of mm-hmm. bookend the film itself. Uh, and then we get Ry Cooter's score uh, being, again, echoey kind of blues guitar throughout the whole thing. Um, uh, it, it does a lot of heavy lifting because it sells the design. It sells the fantasy of right. this rock and roll city. It puts you in the mood, kind of. It gets yeah. you there, yeah. And uh, the reason why I say this premise of this is kind of westernish is because almost like a spaghetti western, almost like a fistful of do- dollars, that soundtrack is doing so much of the selling of cool on screen. Mm, the yes. rule of cool is guess what? Our our guy is looking tough and there's there's cool music behind it. And we maybe get a close up on his face or he does something cool, but the, you know, it's not really necessarily in the performance itself. And that's where we get into some of the bad. Uh the dialogue is pretty whack, if not <laughs> uh, like ab- abhorrent. <laughs> uh, it's real disappointing. Okay. And, and and really as the longer the film goes on, the more it just just soils the bed. Uh it really it's rough. Uh Michael uh Pear? Pa- Pare? I think that's how you supposed to say it. Pare? Yeah, I would say Pare. Yeah, yeah. Say Mike. Uh, Michael. Hey, Mikey. Uh, Mikey is basically kind of like a dumb anime protagonist. He just like says like out. And he's, out. Our, and he's our main dude. He's our main dude. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even call this kind of an ensemble or anything like that. He is absolutely our main dude. He's the gun for hire, but then he's <laughs> okay. also dated Diane Lane's character who he's trying to rescue. I mean, he's 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 the, you know, he kind of comes into town, he rolls into town, he finds people that want him to get a job done, and then he, you know, winds up leaving town, basically. And that's where this kind of Western, you know, style comes into play. Sure. He just, he thinks he's way too cool for his own good. And it just it comes off incredibly <laughs> stale. He delivers his lines with not a an ounce of inflection or change in tone. He could be saying he loves you or he needs to kill you, and it sounds exactly the same. And sometimes they really give him these blocks of dialogue <laughs> 
that are just like, oh my God, get this guy off the screen. <laughs> He's so bad. He's so, so bad. Um, I, I unfortunately say this does kind of sink the whole film because if this was a case where it was uh, the premise rock and roll city and we we touch on a lot of characters like we do, but the maybe the the story was about finding individual stories with those characters, it'd be a totally yeah, different sure. ball game because I think performances like Willem Dafoe, uh, like Rick Moranis, are highlights for me on this film. Good, of course, not shocker. Uh, there. Right, right. <laughs> I really know shocker. Uh, but uh, because we're with Mike a lot. Yeah, yeah, he is the man with no name, if you will. He is the 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 Clint Eastwood type of character rolling into town, and and, and the film is ending with with his arc. Man, he just he, not only does he not sell it, but I, I just actively wanted him off the <laughs> screen. And it goes from okay, he's maybe uh, intentionally dumb as a character uh, and just having these cool moments. You know, he doesn't have to be a brainiac or anything like that to be cool. But at the same time, I mean, there is like whoa, it is a bad performance. Okay. Like, uh, I can't say uh, I've spent, you know, I have seen anything Mikey has been in otherwise, <laughs> but I, I, I will I will be steering clear. I will be, my ears will be perked to, to see uh, that, that dry, dry delivery from him. So, like I mentioned in the beginning, I'll probably mention it one more time with this review. Uh, this film, I'm going to give probably a little bit more generous of a rating than it should, and just because I was really in love with some of the style and just such a unique feel that Walter Hill was able to craft, there is a significant blemish with performance on this one, though. A significant blemish. <laughs> okay. On a plus side, like I said, Rick Moranis, uh, one of his first films, William Defoe plays a psychotic biker. Uh, he is the leader of the biker uh, gang. He is absolutely jacked in this. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. He wears... That's um, weird, because he's just so scrawny. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know, actually. I I, I, I did the research for, for Moranis. I didn't actually look how early this was in um, uh, Defoe's career. It was early. I mean, some of his early stuff was in like his early 80, 81. Mm. Um, but this was, yeah, one of his main first. Yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> he's just he's just got such presence on screen. He's wearing these he, he's not wearing any shirt. He's wearing presumably completely naked underneath, but this like shiny leather overalls. And then when he's biking, he just throws a big leather trench coat over that. Uh and it's just like I don't know. He looks like a vampire biker man. <laughs> it's it's so wild. Uh, you've got some great faces. Awesome. That's uh, in awesome. This, you know, I'll, I'll, that really goes for all the characters besides Mikey. <laughs> um, uh, they're all doing a great job. Even even uh, uh, Diane Lane. I mean, she she plays this cool. You know, uh, lead front woman of a, of a rock band, uh, and uh, she she sells this kind of cool this 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 apathy that mm -hmm. would come with it. You know, the characters uh, in this movie, I, I really was in love with a lot of them, but it's a shame how much is just sunk by our lead. It's a it's a real shame. Um, I think they have a solid idea for the first hour. You know, the movie, you know, is extremely strong out of the gate. It has those beats to kind of keep you interested. And definitely the, the music as well is a thread to keep you inter interested. I, I think I, maybe my judgment on that is is retroactive, though, because the music wasn't enough to save the whole Right, of course, you know of course. What I mean? So, yeah, so I enjoyed it. So this performance really tanked it. Yeah. So music was relatively good. Yeah. And you like the characters and the rest of the cast. Yeah. That's how bad. The, and were the other 
other cast written okay? Uh, yeah, like absolutely. they were written appropriate and everything. Uh, even even his character, you know, it's not necessarily like bad lines or anything like that. It really just like straight up he's, comes down to bad. delivery. Wow. <laughs> it's embarrassing. This film could be almost identical in rating to the Warriors uh, if this one piece was removed, because if anything, the the Warriors feels like a proto version of this film. There, there, you can see what I always love to see in studying directors, and I'm not really studying Walter Hill as as in a, in a major way. This was just one that I wanted to chip away at. Uh, but you see that he has, in the five years or so that he's taken to develop as a director, he has used that to refine his product quite a bit. Right. Um, the the way he tells a story, the way he is shooting the cityscape, the way he is world building with the cityscape, it is all amped up from what we see in Warriors. So if you like Warriors, I think there's a good chance that this film is a is a high high recommendation from me. But it's just, again, it's got this. It's got... It's just... <laughs> It's got a blemish. It has got the biggest pimple on its face. That sucks. <laughs> you know? That really sucks. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, you love the world building in the way that it was so crazy New York. Yes. And he had like like just dozens of different gangs. Yep. And you love the setup of it. So yeah. it's a shame, especially with a snappy hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Sucks that one performance brings it down that much. Yeah, it really and it really does. Uh, and again, like you, I said. Who were you thinking if, if, oh, if only this guy was in this role that time? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Maybe he anybody. definitely wanted like a Clint Eastwood probably just with how well. Western this it's really uh, trying to come across like that. Yeah, well, it's just like, again, real cool he, this guy in particular. Yeah, real yeah. cool. He walks into town, he gets it done, you know, kind of thing. Well, he's still working a lot, Michael P- Paré. Paré. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as like completed work about to come out, mm-hmm. pre-production, post-production. Oh yeah, he has like around thirty-five. <laughs> projects wow. 35 projects like in 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 you know coming out like yeah so, wow. yes working on about to be released yeah okay so yeah we, we who knows maybe on a, a dry week uh <laughs> of new releases <laughs> we'll, we'll cover something of his but uh it, it's a real tough one for me because as dynamite as it is it just kind of just fizzles and it's it's not really there unfortunately i think my score is gonna be generous for this uh, and I hope it just demonstrates that a single flaw or just a uh, you know a handful of flaws can't erode entirely away at a movie's experience because this movie experience is not acting; it is about the music, it is about the world you know that you're stepping into. This movie is hard to love in a way, but mm-hmm. can elicit a kind of a cult status, a cult a cult classic. Um, yeah, I could see that, something uh, like this. You know, so, yeah, exactly. There is huge aspects to love about this, and there, in a lot of ways, this is a huge movie. Uh, but those flaws might be a make or break for some. Uh, it didn't hold my enjoyment back too much, but it's definitely a big factor that I have, I've had to note. And maybe it's something that you just kind of have to see for yourself and use as a temperature that if you checked out The Warriors after a review or that's something that you love, this might be something that you want to check out. For now, we're going to go ahead and give Streets of Fire a 60 on the dot. Oh, wow. It's better than I thought. Okay, well, that's why I said yeah. I think it's it's more generous than than maybe some would give yeah, it. Yeah, but uh, I, well, like you said, if, if the first hour is that strong, mm-hmm. even with him being a bad actor, if it's mm-hmm. that strong, yeah, I mean, I guess the the second half or the second third or the last third. And really, you know, the the world building is there throughout the entire thing. You know what I mean? But, yeah, very true. Yeah. There and is, the music was okay too. There's you said, an so. energy to it. There is, uh, you know, the music is good. Uh, I, I think, 
there, there's much more to the film than just performances. And if anything, my recommendation is more so for those aspects rather than whatever dumb story there is of, of just saving his girlfriend. Right, right, yeah. You know? Okay, I, that's okay. That's good. That's 60% for Streets of Fire if you want to check it out. Also, if you want to see some, like, you know, some of the first performances from Moranis or, yeah. or, uh, Defoe. or Defoe. Yeah. But, uh, okay, 60 for Streets of Fire. I'm excited for this one. We're jumping to 2022. A huge jump. Yeah, it doesn't count as as new release. It came out in springtime. I'm excited for this one. This is RRR. It's directed by S.S. Rajamuli. <laughs> How did this come on on your plate? RRR, a yes. Bollywood film. How did this even enter into your world? So uh, this film landed on my radar because uh, this is going to be the most expensive uh, Bollywood film made to date. Uh, the most expensive, uh, you know, uh, what they would call Hindi films. That That's kind of the, the Hindi industry of okay. it. That is, I mean, not really something that I usually pay attention to, you know, big things like that. You mm-hmm. know, when, when the next Avatar comes out, I'm not going to be saying, oh, well, this was the most expensive, you know, I mean, that's not, I'm, I'm giving credit to it for it. Right. What I'm giving credit to is that it is quickly becoming the most successful as well that the Bollywood industry has ever produced. Uh, this has been supercharged by being licensed by Netflix and being having it put in front of many different countries, many different cultures that would not watch a Bollywood film, that would be intimidated by its musical or maybe it's, you know, it's, it's crappy action. Elements. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> maybe not intimidated, maybe just like, I'm not going to watch this. <laughs> I have no interest to watch this. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to this film, I mean, it, it was getting my attention because uh, slowly but surely, we now are seeing a lot of Western coverage of it, uh, with it being rising in to be, I think, top three most popular films the uh, the industry has produced. Uh, Which is crazy because Bollywood pumps out an ungodly amount of films. Oh, like yeah. it's crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it, it it makes for uh, an interesting premise to walk into this film. This film, folks, is one crazy, crazy ride, and in a good way. I was not hating this film whatsoever. Uh, there is a. I want to say almost nationalism. I've really actually, if there was a time that I wanted you to watch a film, Tom, and, <laughs> and have uh, have some commentary on it, it would be this one. I mean, <laughs> the film itself is, yeah, let me unpack this here. Uh, the film itself is a hyper-stylized fictional tale of two real-life revolutionaries okay. in the British overthrowing uh, of, of India. Um, Early early 1900s, we're talking. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is set, I believe, on 1912 or 1920 on the dot. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Here. You know, it's, it's odd because... <laughs> It would be like if you made a Marvel film out of George Washington and the Founding Fathers. It is possible. What are you saying? Why I'm t- I'm telling you, it, it is wild. It is it, the. <laughs> <laughs> these these historical figures are doing crazy stunts and punching tigers and okay. uh, and, and staging these these wild action sequences. I mean, it is insane. But I gotta say, it is by no means bad. the The fight choreography is actually very quite impressive. Okay, uh, it is never beyond the point that you're looking at this and completely shutting off your brain. Uh, if anything, it engages in the fight choreography very well. There's a lot of wire work. Uh, it reminded <laughs> me 
uh, of, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of stuff, like earlier 2000s, you know, what was coming out of um, uh, of China and Japan. Okay. But uh, man, it is it is not bad. It's just a very weird premise of a, a probably the most awkward pill you could swallow to have these real historical figures, which I have no perspective for. Sure. Know? We Ooh. just know that they're real. Yes, that they are real. And they're like <laughs> revolutionaries at the starting of, you know, of their country. Right. They are, you know, jumping off of of bikes and and tossing the bike and then it, it explodes and I mean the action sequences doing very are superhero ish things exactly yeah, it yeah. is it, I can't call it Marvel specifically because it is it feels it's grounded like well because no, they don't have no. superpowers they don't have superpowers yeah they don't. You could you can maybe say they do have superpowers, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I say Marvel in the sense that that's what it would be in the states. Uh, this definitely is in a tradition of Bollywood, in that the action usually bad in these films, usually blown out of proportion right. and and no realism. I would say if the money went anywhere towards this production. The massive budget went into this production. It was in a lot of the choreography and a lot of the set pieces. They are insane. Uh, really? But so it feels like a big movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. It feels like a huge movie. Uh, the amount of extras in this are, are, are wild. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to maybe regret saying this, but the CGI was better than most recent Marvel, it felt like. Really? The CGI was like, I don't know. It was almost even a little bit better than Prey <laughs> that we covered. Uh, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Uh, there's, there's, there's some shots. Uh, there's actually a lot of shots with animals. Because Bollywood is also, you think, cheap. Just cheaply made, sure. quick Pumping made them as out. well. Exactly. So the fact that if we, if it feels big budget, if it looks good, if fight choreography is good, it's three hours and seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that's kind of interesting that we're getting this epic that's done quite well. Yeah, and um, believe me, uh, you bring up another point. You know, this three-hour runtime, this is yeah. not my bag. You know, I mean, no, no, normally. it's not. Uh, but I'm telling you, this film was was very enjoyable, and and not just enjoyable, even in like a boys' watch of just like, oh, look how crazy this is, you know, it's great. Right. Uh, no, this was enjoyable in the sense that I was looking at some of this fight choreography, and there's a lot of care put into making these real people pull off Marvel style stunts, mm-hmm. but creating a tie back within the action sequences that actually kind of make it semi not not semi plausible but like you know they're they're putting in the work they're putting in the effort to make sure that they can at least sell it to you okay uh and this action was was impressive but how does that okay it's over three hours right the action is good how was the everything else Uh, (laughs) so uh, i would say the everything else is uh, a split between Three other pieces. I guess it's a four-part kind of okay. Pie. Okay, action, action and, and good. really insane action, but very good. Uh, we have this bromance between <laughs> these two revolutionaries uh, that I don't know if they were friends in in real life. I was kind of going into some research into this, but then I realized, well, what's the point of researching this when this film is like clearly meant to be like this right super fictional kind of telling of this apparently the director in during research there was a gap in time that both of these revolutionaries kind of fall off the map 
and they don't have a lot of recorded history, uh, and that's the playground he uses to tell this story okay. uh, of their lives and pr- prospectively when they first met or something like that. So we get this bromance between the two of them, and I gotta say, the, the fictional bromance works. Uh, it is not... It is not, you know, uh, terrible. The, 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 from an outsider looking in, the film has no semblance of, of historical accuracy. But with this three-hour runtime, they really don't skip on building a true friendship between these two characters. I don't have the, the names written down, but I'm sure I'd, I'd butcher the, the, the pronunciation. The actors the, or the, act, the characters the actual, in the film? The, the actual characters. The, the, the Kamaran, Bhim, Alari, <laughs> Sitarama, <laughs> Raju. Uh, Raju, uh, yep, that's one of them. Uh, okay. The, and, uh, but yeah, uh, the the bromance that builds between them, uh, it is no joke. I mean, they they put in work. Uh, they put in a lot of effort to make this make this believable and make this friendship on screen something that you want to watch. You kind of want to watch the drama of them becoming friends and then the country and you know, this British occupation tearing them apart. So it, it, it was very interesting. Uh, uh, third piece yes. is romance. Uh, romance, I would say this is where this kind of is hurt a little bit. It's meh. Yeah, it's meh. Uh, and then the fourth piece is going to be a hallmark of anything Bollywood, uh, which is going to be a musical element. Now, this is where I stay away from anything Bollywood because I really don't have an interest in that type of music. I'm not really one for musicals in general unless they're done, you know, very, very well. I'm there with you. Yeah. You know, th- th- this... And it's Bollywood, so it's just like, okay, well, I have 146,000 Bollywood musicals. Where do we even start? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I might as well just not watch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's, it's very... It's, it's, it's a lot to approach, and, and that's exactly where I wanted to cover this one, because this is the first crack of getting into maybe some Western audiences and, and making something I, outrageous, yeah. but it is unique. And, and, and 100% a Bollywood film. I think my credit towards this is that it is not giving up its identity to be more consumable for for other audiences. Sure. We are not dumbing this down like, if anything, Hollywood movies do. Yes. To dumb it down for, for more of a, a wide release right. or international You put Matt Damon in, as, in the Great Wall film. <laughs> yeah. Right, that kind of deal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this film is it still has the Bollywood musical elements, but it's a little bit more palatable. Uh, there's only like one or two songs. There's also a closing song. This is exactly where I wanted your opinion on this, Tom. Because you should have told me. I should have watched it. It's like nationalist propaganda a little bit. <laughs> it's it's like I, okay. the songs are about the love they have for their founding fathers, <laughs> and I mean it's not bad. Yeah, but that's just but, pay- yeah. Well, that's just that's. See, that's where we get into the difference of a patriot for one's country sure. and a nationalist that has other meanings to it. Right, right. So. Uh, but I mean, that's if it's all about India being India and yeah. awesome, and and you know, that's I've got no, you know, okay. It makes sense for what the movie is. I mean, yeah, it's called yeah. Rise, Roar, Revolt, really. Yep, you know, exactly. and about overthrowing the British Empire out of <laughs> yeah, the country. So, yeah. whatever. That's fine. You yeah. know, okay. But uh, I, I think that that's where it's a little bit more palatable. You're not getting a, a songs packed and, and shoved down your throat oh, that's for huge. this entire, Absolutely. you know, I mean, one or two musical sequences... You can swallow uh, that pill. Yeah, among yeah. three hours, yes, absolutely. You know, it's 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 a lot more palatable for for myself. Let's just even yeah. keep it right there. For myself, walking into this, I'm not a fan of Bollywood. If anything, I really don't like a lot of the movies yeah. that I have seen in the past. And is uh, it still is it still the worst part of the movie? Romance aside, 
Um, the musicals. No, because if anything, it has the same energy and definitely has the same production as the the bonkers action. Okay. You know what I mean? The amount of extras that they're getting. Wow. Uh, right when I thought I was going to be canceling Netflix sometime soon, <laughs> Bollywood comes in to save the day. Bollywood. The next, yeah, <laughs> next year, all their all their yearly releases. It's all going to be yeah. Hindi films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's It's wild. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think for me on the technical side, this film does have some problems. Even in the native Hindi dub, uh, there is course, yes, a the weird, yeah, there's a weird disconnect. Um, we actually get a lot of English speaking uh, voice actors. Hmm. Um, probably some brownie points just for me, but I always appreciate it. We have a story that characters don't all speak the same language. And that's actually part of the story that they tell because there is a language divide. I enjoy this, not because I like reading subtitles or having that that split there, but I think it's a realistic take on how maybe, you know, people of different nations would interact and have some some difficulty in communicating. My issue with it is on the technical side, I mean, for the highest, most expensive Bollywood film made, how are they having with better CGI than Marvel? How are they having these these technical problems with audio? Yeah, it's, on the back end. Yeah, yeah, that's no good. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, there's just like some weird mouth syncing for it, and maybe we'll get a redub. I don't know if it yeah. does that well, but that is annoying, and would it would it, that's the thing that's so noticeable too, yeah. which is a problem. You know what I mean? It's just something that. You just pick up on it constantly. Yeah, my know? my theory, and 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 believe me, I, I could be wrong on this one, but my theory is that the actors on the Hindi side are the same actors that are going to be singing the songs, but they are actually not going to be the dubbed lines in the dramatic pieces mm. of this film. So they are the physical performance for the action, they are the musical performance, but they are not the dramatic performance, and I think that is even overdubbed in the. The way you're supposed to communicate, you're, you're supposed to consume this film. It's a weird note to 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 knock this film for, uh, because again, this is the most expensive film. It's it's flying with soaring co- colors when it comes to some of its other production aspects, uh, but uh, failing in this one. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? It's why I'm scratching my head with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, especially if it's this size production, this much money. You really don't want to blow it on that. Yeah. So that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a shame. Yeah. yeah. It is uh, kind of difficult to unpack because it's just a lot of this, not nationalism, this patriotism. I think you put it a little bit better. Uh, sure. Tom, yeah, yeah, with yeah. The, with, the, yeah. with the split of that. The love that went into this production and the scale of it, I think, is, is worth a watch. Uh, I did not come away from this saying, ah, you know, no, nah, you don't really have to waste your time. No, if anything, I, I would recommend this to a few different audiences. I think I, I would recommend this if you're into a high-stakes blockbuster action. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would recommend this if you are looking for a great bromance on screen. I mean, there's the friendship that they that they craft. I mean, it may sound silly, but... It was it was enjoyable watching them bond and then watching the 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 dramatic turn of this be having them forced to you know kind of be against each other uh, uh you know split apart by by British rule so there there was there was a lot of enjoyment there and I think um you know the focus is clearly on you know making wild wild action I can't stress enough that this film did not feel like 
anything I've seen. And that was That's super refreshing. refreshing. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was super refreshing. And uh, I can't say this is a point that I'm going to be going away and, you know, for the next, you know, <laughs> next four weeks, we're going to be covering Bollywood films. Don't worry. We're not going <laughs> to be doing that. But I do think this film if only gets a recommendation from me because it fills a gateway drug type of quality to it. Uh, it is a an entryway to uh, what some of these stylings, what some of this film genre, what some of this medium can be then. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give Triple R, Rise, Roar, Revolt a 68. Wow. It doesn't hit the 70s? It, no, no, it doesn't well, hit the 70s. You didn't say anything bad about it except for the romance. <laughs> Only a 68, really? Uh, You're a tough one to crack this I, time. Uh, tough one. It's a tough but one. But still this just week. not worth it. Still just, it just doesn't quite, it's not there. It's not, doesn't work. It's not worth the 70s. I, I think a lot could hold back uh, my enjoyment with, with how cartoony it is. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, don't get me wrong. 68 is still, I'm saying it is a, a oh, good a, film, an yes. above average film. Definitely. That is a good movie. Yeah, it's a good yeah. movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe some of, maybe I should have clocked back some of my well, praise. Well, why don't we just say it's probably probably on the Bollywood scale, we're in the 90s. Right. Why don't we say yeah. that? This is probably the best Bollywood film I've ever seen. Uh, so. <laughs> That's saying much, but <laughs> right, <laughs> take right. a look at the website. It's a little bare in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> but awesome. I, I love it. 68 RRR. I think I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it. Yeah. When I have yeah. that time, if it's that good of time, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Yeah, all right. 68 for RRR. Uh, give it a watch on Netflix if, if, if anybody yeah, wants. Yeah, it's an easy watch. It's, uh, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. A little so, barrier to entry. Uh, we just we remind people here we're completely completely producer supported going on the value for value model so if you're getting value from the podcast if you're getting value from the website are you enjoying yourselves are you getting into movies more than what you were maybe a year ago then if you could go to the dailyratings.com you go to the donations tab on the top right put a dollar amount next to that value basically and you can send a donation our way and write a note along with it and basically what that says is you were now an actual official producer of the daily ratings and that is a credit to you and uh, and it's it's also a through line to you with your notes and everything like that. If you have questions or comments or critiques or complaints, or that's fine. If you're going to take the time to donate money towards us uh, and show value, then uh, we're going to take time to read your note as well. Again, uh, it's no, we're staying away from advertising. We are completely producer supported, so we want to thank all of you and uh, and hope you kind of join the daily ratings family. Absolutely. Kind of, and we we've been enjoying some of the some of the the comebacks, some of the hate mail. Actually, it's yes. very enjoyable. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great to read. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's what it is. It's the dailyratings.com at the donations tab. And we thank you all so much. Okay, Vince. So now we're going to close things off. This is our newly released. This is our in theaters now. It's got a little bit of buzz behind it. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to hear about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Mm. What do we have with it? Kind of set it up for us here. Yeah. So uh, the director, um, we were, we were, <laughs> folks, we were trying to figure out how to maybe pronounce this. She's a Dutch actress turned director. Ragen, uh, I think. We're, yeah, I, we're I said it wrong on. in the intro. It's Helene. Helena Ragen. Ragen, yeah. Ragen. I said Ryan, yeah. <laughs> which I think is totally wrong. Helena Ragen, though. Yeah, but she has been in stuff, uh, I think, uh, not that it's a huge film, but she was in Valkyrie uh, with Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's now turned director, and this is her second feature film. Uh, once again, we are with A24 producing. Instead of their slow atmospheric horror, they are normally used to green lighting. Uh, this is reminiscing of a lot of their earlier works. I'm talking Bling Ring. I'm talking Good Time maybe even Spring Breakers, maybe even a little bit Uncut Gems. You know, it's much more 
it's less horror. You know, this film is being billed as like a slasher or uh, or a whodunit. It definitely is a whodunit, but um, it's not really focused on horror. It's more trying to create a lens into these Gen Z late millennial uh, characters' lives and still spotlight that with the seriousness and the gravity that a normal drama film would have with that. Okay. Uh, and I got to say, I was pretty in love with this film. Uh, I thought this was a great wow. movie. Yeah. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies refers to the game of whodunit that this group of rich girls plays during parties. The plot quickly takes on a meta quality to it as the group of friends finds an actual dead body and the real game begins. I would say this approach to horror certainly reminds me of Scream where there's a degree of self-awareness. There's a, you know, there is a an understanding that they are in kind of a horror movie themselves and that's taking on how these characters are acting and how they're working. This 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 premise is only one of many smart choices this film makes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about dialect in a script, you know. It, it feels weird to bring up a film like this, talking about dialect. Most of the time we're just gonna be hearing someone do a southern accent, talk with a mm-hmm, southern sure, twang yeah. and, and 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 have lines in their script to make them feel of that setting. Uh, but this film takes that, and, I mean, dialogue may, dialect may sound silly, but they are really taking this late millennial Gen Z internet You mean culture. early millennial? No, I would say late millennial, yeah. So you have Gen Zs and then people who are like, 18 years older. Uh, more so their their dialogue of how they're talking. Okay, yeah, They're talking yeah, okay. with internet culture, you know, they're talking with... That's what know, I mean, early millennial. As, you mean late millennial as far as yeah. younger. Uh, yeah, yeah, younger, yeah. More closer to Gen Z, you right. know what I mean? Right, right, right. Uh, it's I, just funny how you, you could phrase that two different ways. Sure, sure. Because when I hear late millennial... I'm hearing like, oh, people in like almost 40 now. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yes, we're, uh, we're the, talking about yeah, Gen, Gen Z, Z, millennial, that yeah. yes, uh, early 20s. Yeah, internet yeah. culture, I'm, uh, I'm, you're, you're triggering me, vibes, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> These things, they're baked into the, the script uh, like a dialect would be in any script, uh, but the, the, the balancing act, and I really mean this, this is not cringy. This is not annoying. Hmm. This uh, is, if anything, wonderfully done. You know, am I saying that uh, it is the best performance in the world having these young actresses talk like a real, you know, these real rich girls probably would? Yeah, I'm not saying it's the most amazing thing, but uh, the film achieves a a a wonderful pacing a wonderful feel to it by not having this dialogue come off annoying and if anything adds a lot of value to the psychological kind of dive into each of their characters as the horror of this film builds a, a you know i confidently say that the the dialect of this film is the strongest quality of it that that mix of kind of gen z slang and internet culture it shockingly does not make my skin crawl mm-hmm. and if anything was very good i think really Hats off to, uh, you know, this movie being billed as a dark comedy. I think it 100% works as a dark comedy for okay. that reason. The comedy elements totally yeah. work with it, yeah. Because you can, you can look at this dialect and say, well, is that really accurate? And some of it is coming off for jokes. Some of it is very much po- poking fun uh, at uh, that Gen Z I think slang. that's important because if it's trying to be super, super serious, then mm-hmm. it's just... 
going too far with trying to depict a culture or something like that. Yeah. Or, or, or yeah. I or don't on know. the opposite end of it, if it was all to make fun of the slang, well, guess what? Then, you know, the film is kind of shooting its own demographic in the foot yeah. because this is definitely, you know, targeted towards uh, a younger audience sure. in this, you know, this kind of, this bloody rated R film. But uh, I, I got to say, I mean, that balancing act to achieve the middle, I mean, I It gotta, is quite the balancing act. Yeah, Dancing I, on that edge of the knife, yeah. I, for sure, for sure. And, and, and a very good film for that reason. And I'll be definitely keeping my eyes on these writers. Uh, they are both first-time writers for this production. So I'm very curious to see what they can do because they really knocked it out of this park with, with, with this balancing act. Uh, that is uh, Sarah DeLappy, I believe, and Christian uh, Rupinian. Yeah, Rupinian. Kristen Rupinian. Yeah, that looks right. Uh, <laughs> pronunciation, not a, not a strong <laughs> suit this episode. Uh, but uh, as the horror goes on, uh, I will say I, I was very surprised. There is an odd enjoyment in these group of girls just being way in over their heads. Like, they have no idea what to do once the, the, the body starts showing up. They are just so hopelessly underprepared. And rather than be annoyed by it, like, you know, I think countless other films that yeah. give credit to or, or flack for for the competency of our characters. Sure, absolutely. Uh, it's all in the execution. This is an entertaining shit show, uh, and that's kind of the pitch of this. The scenes are... The whole point is in Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the p- whole point is them just uh, thinking they know how the world works with all this internet <laughs> culture <laughs> and not having a clue. And, and there's a there's really a brilliance that the film achieves in that. Scenes kind of successfully blend the juicy drama uh, of what a, a, a you know a, a rich group of girls would be concerned with you know who's dating who sure, sure. Uh, yeah. how why'd you stab me in the back when kind of stuff but what's brilliant is we don't get this in beforehand or we don't get introduced to this in any sort of way that is like an expedition dump it is blended into the accusations of who they think is the killer so in addition to the point of the finger we are now getting a slice of what relationship two characters have and what maybe is their you know their conflict between these two characters and what their history is and again there I, I think it it fits the genre of what this film is going or, or, or rather the mood this film is going for that it's about you know these 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 catty girls, and uh, you know, like they are just—they're more concerned with with stirring the pot of this drama than actually right, solving right. The, the, the deaths <laughs> in the house. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think it's brilliant that the film, and once again, the credit goes to the both uh, the script uh, and the screenplay here. It is not something that we're front loaded with. Oh, right. we know who hates who or something like that. You figure that out. It's it's yeah yeah. It's unfolding as you're watching. Yeah, it's blended together with the accusations of who they think is the killer, and we get shades of everyone's picture, and we're puzzling it together. I mean, I really do think that's it's nice. A, that's pretty cool. It's, it's dynamite. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's continually. It's great when things don't just shovel things right to you. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. great to figure things out as as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. And I best. think there's a follow through on the characters. Yeah, they were incompetent. Yeah, there's maybe, you know, some lack of enjoyment and them not, you know, 
<laughs> being able to handle this situation even relatively right right uh, but uh uh but it's yeah frustrating the, but purposely so exactly yeah exactly uh you know the movie takes bitchy drama and weaponizes it through this game of murder and i i can't tell you how how by the end i was like really appreciating that structure uh, of how we got to know these characters not through any other way you right know, it was through sure. actually yeah. the game of whodunit we found out these characters were uh, it's all in the execution, folks. This film could have been so generic, so annoying, but instead creates something quite unique. Uh, out of the middle of the road shit that I have had to cover in August, man, this film should have been in more screens. You know, knock out, <laughs> knock out Top Gun Maverick. Hey, Get it out of there. Easy. <laughs> Put in bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, I would say it's already on the decline, though. I mean, I had to pull teeth and see a two o'clock showing. Uh, just and this to, just came out? Uh, it was uh, first or second week of August. Oh, my gosh. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it's just getting swept, and, and, and I feel like that's the theme. All of August, everything was just getting pushed out uh, for re-releases. We have Spider-Man being re-released, Top Gun Maverick in theaters forever. <laughs> it's never getting kicked Top out. Gun Maverick was the, um, was the number one movie this past weekend. <laughs> Uh, it's. Look I don't that. know how it does it. We're it, gonna cover it again for the podcast. <laughs> it's unreal. It's unreal. Third, by the way, uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Because it, yeah, it, it got, was a re-release. Yep. Yeah. Can you believe Taco Mary is number one it's again? It's nuts. It's nuts. So realistically, I would say give this film some love. Realistically, you're going to have to give it some love on streaming. But uh, again, sure. I was very impressed with this. We are going to go ahead and give Bodies, Bodies, Bodies a 76. All right. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. 76. I mean, what that says is a very good movie. Yes. As we say, yes. as you're near, you know, you're in those mid 70s and in the 70s in general. Mm-hmm. That's that's good. That's very good movie. Territory. Well worth your time. Well worth your time. Where just to illustrate a perfect example with like Streets of Fire, you know, uh, or 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 even not not Streets of Fire, uh, you know, RRR. I enjoyed it plenty. I think some qualities held it back. This film achieved something something so simple, but uh, but really, really, you know, it just had the follow-through on execution. Every piece was working with it, where I can't exactly say that for any other the film entries we covered this week. There yeah. was always something that was maybe in conflict with its own composition. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was just all the way through, it was good. You know, everything contributed towards the execution and I, of this And I think the scores this week uh, very much represent that. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at these scores, man, is there anything else you'd like to add? We want to roll credits here. No, I think a weird week. Uh, we can we can go ahead and Very weird week. <laughs> uh, well, Vin, we thank you sitting down and watching all those films for us. Folks at home, we're going to run this down one more time. We have Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with a 66%, Mommy Dearest with a 47 Streets of Fire with a 60 RRR with a 68 and bodies, bodies, bodies with a 76%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors, so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. 
Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.